0: Hi, um, James here, we're a co-presenter of The Kitchen is On Fire. The kitchen is on fire. Yeah. And I'm Sam from the Is On Fire A.K. Okay, ticky Off um, We'd really appreciate it if, if you could support the podcast If you've been enjoying it By liking it on iTunes Maybe leaving a review if you can Leaving a five star review if you can even do that um, Maybe just follow us on Instagram At Tikioff. Um, we'd be really delighted Hit us up with any questions you might have on there And, and such forth We really, really appreciate your time And uh, your caring Care about us We care about you Thanks Goodbye do you like drinking muddy water? Do you like drinking blood? Do you like drinking really old milk that you found in a haunted amusement arcade's kitchen? That doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Do you like drinking any of that? Then this isn't the app for you. If you like drinking wine, go to dropwine.co.uk or wherever else you get apps you can download the Drop Wine app. And the great people at Drop will deliver you wine within the hour in London to Zones 1 and 2 and some other places that they never seem to specify, but there are some other places. Give it a go. Get some fantastic wines at good prices. And you want to add to that good price, you can put the promo code KITCHENONFIRE in the promo code box and you'll get £10 off your first order. It's brilliant. If you're still in the market for blood or mud and whatnot, that's on you. Goodbye. Drink responsibly. So, we're recording this a week or so after um, our interview with the delightful Marcus Samuelson. That really was a cool thing to meet Marcus Samuelson. Yeah. Because I, so, I, sort of, yeah. I sort of said to him, but. CDP. You know, sort of probably feels like a long time ago for him, I guess. <laughs> but when I was first getting into food and American food and um, Anthony Bourdain and um, Grub Street and all this stuff, it was like Marcus, top chef. Marcus Samuelson was like the man. Not saying he's not the man now, but I'm saying back then that was, you know, a uh, grand chien. So it was great to have him on. And he was lovely. Natty dresser, some might Very say. Very natty. Hell of a big scarf he, he yeah. sported. Yeah. Do you have a sport stuff? Uh, I'm sporting a scarf at the moment. It belongs to my wife. I lost my scarf last year. Scarf <laughs> chat. <laughs> I lost my scarf last year. Yeah, I did. It is tough at the top. It is tough, yeah. It's true what they say. tough to hold on to scarfs at that level. Um, yeah, your big you're, you're, yeah, your scarf at the moment. Actually, you look. You, I watched you walking across Cold Drops Yard this mm-hmm. afternoon. Yeah, and it was like because cause, you know you look very good at the moment, Sam. You've really put in a shift on the Thank old you, on the old not eating. <laughs> <laughs> and you look beautiful. Yeah, my beard's a bit out of control. The beard's quite big, and then your coat was unharnessed, so it was like. You, you looked quite broad and then the scarf made you look quite neck heavy and so uh, you just looked like this big unit You look, know I look not look not, bulky you look like sort of Ewan McGregor walking across the the cobbles is Ewan McGregor bulky he can, he well, I, can feel, I feel he's a man. Uh, he can have a sort of heft to him but yeah. not in like a you know body positivity and all that powerful but I you look, look like a Real, real just a rig. (laughs) No, you didn't. It was just... And also, you were walking with quite a lot of purpose. And I was talking to (laughs) a friend of the podcast, and she wanted to have a chat with you about something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, here he comes. And then there you were, just striding across. uh, I don't know, like what, but like something. That was a weird one, actually. Not to say um, who she was asking about, (coughs) but when um, people are uh, going on a date with somebody, which doesn't happen very often. I don't know anyone who goes on dates, but when people do and they ask you, oh, do you know this person? What are they like? And that was the conversation. So that's sort of putting you in a little bit of a spot, isn't it? And I felt like I said one really bad thing. What did you say? I said, ah, really? I thought they just had a kid with someone. (laughs) That did not go down well. But that was untrue. Or is it true? Who knows? Well, good luck to them. But it's weird, isn't it? Because, you you know, I have no skin in the game. But you sort of think, well, do you you want to... yeah, but if if he was an absolute weapon, I would say yeah, I would. Right? Yeah. Would you not? It's difficult because people have to learn to make their own mistakes. And because she was really excited, she was like, "He is beautiful," and he is. He really? is really beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, but so I hope I did the right thing, but it's tough to tell. Okay. Um. Oh, like, do we want to talk about the Dorchester Grill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were a bit. We accepted the kind invitation yeah. from uh, so Tom booten as the new head chef. Absolutely. I mean, he defines whippersnapper, that guy. He does, yeah. And he, he used to be the head chef at Alan Williams at the Westbury with our mate Joey, who was with us at Pigeon back in the day. And so when we got invited to check out his menu at the Dorchester Grill, we were like, oh, absolutely. And then it was reminded to us, or we were reminded that it's quite controversial the Dorchester because there's Brunei and it's all kind of uh, human rights records we we're, were like oh well let's just take the freebie and we don't have to talk about it and then we both agreed that it was such a good meal and he is such a talented little fucker yeah. that it would be and, and we took the freebie so yeah. all of that we're like it's pretty poor form not to talk about it so uh, here we are talking about it I mean he's a child Was he like 24 or something yeah and, and he looks take over like he's place. about sixty. yeah he's absolutely doogie has that motherfucker but I mean take over that kitchen in that place you know with everything else because after we ate the, uh, he gave us a tour around and so back at house they got a um, an escalator that goes down to another floor of another bunch of kitchens and there's you know PDRs and chef's tables and room service kitchens China Tang which he said makes like 90 million a year or something some ludicrous amount of money and you know oh they do room service they do the what they call it the boulevard or whatever the big sort of central bit of the hotel where you can order stuff I don't don't remember shit but but the the (laughs) ludicrously expensive lobster salads and they sell like 500 a day or something yeah you just think like the machine that cliched as it is but the machine that you don't see in a place like that oh seeing those kitchens was quite extraordinary yeah Um, and he's like this kid who's just sort of come in and you know clearly very talented and sort of food like that as well not to be rude but I don't think I had any great sort of expectations for that kind of vibe but the food was great wasn't it yeah you know hotel food at that level blah 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 I thought the food was lush yeah can you just pause Well played. I did not want to die. Huh? Took a little a... pause there. <laughs> James had another data this year. <laughs> Just sprinted down Longacre, so that was People were quite... like, oh, it's Roger Bannister. They're like, oh, oh it's, it's Roger sugar. Moore. It's fucking Red Rum. <laughs> Black Beauty. I'm out of horses that I know. Sea Biscuit. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sea Biscuit. You ever see that film? No. Toby Maguire Breakout. Yeah, Spider Man and Bridges. Really? No. Chris Cooper. Really? Chris Cooper. He was the sort of horse whisperer in it. Horse whisperer, another great film about horses. (laughs) Wow. Horse chat. Scarley Hansen, Breakout. Really? How many people broke out of the inside of that horse? (laughs) A lot. Um, Anyway, yeah, Dorchester Grill. Lovely time. Yeah. Clever boy. Yeah. Food was good. Best thing you did was when uh, you asked to see the proper wine list and they brought over the leather-bound Bible and uh, just for shits and giggles said that we'd open with the what 71 Patrice 78 Patrice, Patrice. £2,700 just to watch the sommelier's face and he couldn't control it because he was trying to be very but his eyes gave him away he was looked petrified because he knew we were on a freebie but what would have happened if we'd have taken that? or do you reckon he would have well, said I think a manager would have come would home and said I'm really sorry I can't do you reckon? Can't Give you, I, I, I would think so What if you started kicking off in the middle of the Doncaster Grill? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. But yeah, that was good. And good on him. Like, he's a kid. And, uh, Mm. you know, a lot of pressure in that role, I'm sure. beautiful food. Best of luck. Um, Got any notes for this week? I've got one, James. Uh, I feel like we haven't had any ghosts recently. (laughs) Right. Uh, And we had a nice tweet from someone who enjoyed a ghost story. On the pod, so I thought maybe. I know you're not going to be happy about it, but I thought it has been a while. Mate, I enjoyed your ghost story. It yeah? was when it was every week ago, a bit. Okay, you're going to like this one. This is in Wales, and this is. I was looking the most for. Most haunted country in the world. Absolutely. So this is from only last month, 31st of October 2019. I was looking for up to date stories, cutting edge <laughs> ghosts, cutting edge science. Yeah? Cutting edge ghosts? Yeah. You know, not like oh, you should pitch oh, that to ITV. Yeah, on uh, not in like Victorian times. are mm. oh, some you know. oh we were wearing ruffles, and you know, there was a candle, and it got blown mm. out, and then oh, there's a demon horse or something. Uh, someone drained a mobile phone. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is modern day ghost haunting in Wales, Oop. and this family home stinks of rotten flesh <laughs> due to a port portal to spiritual world in the lounge. Wasn't Wales where that first unexplained was set? Uh, Could it be? That's a good one. So, portal to a a to another, like basically another dimension, the spiritual world. In the lounge, yeah, and it's a two-bedroom house. Looks like a typical suburban home, but in the lounge, there's a portal to like the nether. Okay. Um, She's a mum of four. There's been strange smells, unexplained bangs, and she lives there. It's in North Wales. She lives there with her husband Harvey, who's a DJ, and their children uh, Thomas and Paisley. They said well, they had four, four children, kids, but they've only named two of them. Anyway, the other two are the ghosts. So the first thing that happened, there was this banging from upstairs. They went upstairs, found the kids still asleep, but the right. bed had been pulled two feet away from the wall. Classic kids, messing around on the beds, jumping, did, jumping. Yeah, well, what did she say? Now looking back, I realise it was the beginning of the haunting. Ah, uh, so not, not the kids dicking around, then they hear mum's come up the stairs, get into bed pretending you're asleep. Anyway, so they've had a few more knockings... It turns out the kids are called Charlie, Paisley and Thomas. It still says she's <laughs> a mum of four. Uh, anyway, so they found out, they banged everything in the house so what, to find what, what out where the banging bang was coming from. Is this is an incredibly thorough article. Yeah, of course it is. Well researched. Mate, this, is, this is from a scientific... Perfectly sub. This is a, like a doctor's paper. This is new state, new, the New Statesman or... Um, or the Daily Mirror, I don't know. But um, they've had so many supernatural encounters since she can't even remember them all because it's just constantly right. going on. I mean at what point does um, does Supernatural stop being Supernatural well listen just, to this this okay. is going to blow your fucking mind I bet Colin the DJ had his work phone I that's thought probably, he was called Harvey no I think that's a kid it's very confusing <laughs> Colin had his work phone go missing once we blitz well he's not a kid called Colin <laughs> no okay it must be the dad then for his DJ gigs we blitzed the whole house looking for it but it was a no share he lost his phone? His phone, yeah. Okay. Six months later, there was a T-shirt Terrifying. thrown on the floor and I lifted it up and there was Colin's phone right by the bedroom door, somewhere we'd walked past loads in the time since it had gone missing. <laughs> Chilling. How many drugs are these guys on? He's a DJ. He's got a lot of pengers. Uh, another time, I was in the kitchen and looked outside and saw soldiers who looked like they were from centuries ago marching by with metal helmets and swords pointing to the sky. How is it? How is she leading with him losing a mobile phone? When she's seen fucking soldiers from the olden days. But then vases started flying across the room. And then earlier this year, following a particularly unpleasant week, when the house filled with the stench of burning flesh, Steph and Colin spoke to a medium. And the medium broke the news that Steph has a portal to the spirit world in her living room. And they've looked into it, and there's nothing around the place, but there is a castle up the road called Flint Castle, where there were most likely battles where the house stood Always, we always... But they haven't told the and children. She saw the soldiers. They haven't told the children, and then they got some kit in to see if they could find an orb, because they read about orbs, and they've taken this photo, which is chilling in the horror. It's a blue orb with a face inside. What? That's see? just the reflection of the person taking the photo. It's not, mate. It's a blue orb. And From where the, was that? In, in, their, th- in the living room, where the spiritual portal... And that was just is. floating. Yeah. The mirror... This is from the Mirror website. Fuck off, it's from a scientific journal, you prick. So anyway, they bought themselves some new kit. This was close to Halloween. And they bought us to look out for it at Halloween because, as they say, Halloween is when the veil between the living and the dead is thinnest. Hmm. So we've bought a dictaphone, a temperature gauge, and a frequency tester to try and help us communicate further. We'll have some friends round for a support and a few drinks and see what happens as the night draws in. Well, the more drinks you have, the more is going to happen. She'd Colin's going to get the pingers out. She'd love to be able to have a conversation and build a proper relationship with the spirits. After all, who doesn't want to know who they're sharing their house with? A load of rotting flesh. Yeah, the smell, I guess. But she, who says that? Well, no, I mean, who says that? She any of this? knew 100% that what she's seen is real, but something stopped me from telling people. I didn't want to say anything that would upset or scare anybody. I suppose part of me didn't want to be mocked either. So she's, you know, that's basically straight Well, She to you called from that Steph. one right. Yeah. OK, well... So North Wales, there's compelling. a portal in somebody's front room. What is there in your front room? A couple of chairs, a desk... Bowl with some keys in. A, a, always. And then a lot of booze. That doesn't get drunk. Yeah. I get in trouble in your front room, don't I? I sit in the wrong chair. The no, light's you, not You right. never sit in that room. Oh, where do you I sit? You sit in that weird middle room with no light, like, being weird. And I'm just like, why are not you going to sit in the nice room? Not the kids' playroom. Oh... How the kids play, mate. Um, anyway, coming up after the jingle, Marcus Samuelson.
1: I try to sneak, I try to go like to. I've been to Crystal Palace, I've been to Watford, Like, been to Tottenham, Liverpool. Um, I'm an Arsenal fan, so for okay. me it's always better if you go to the smaller stadiums. Yeah. But uh, I took my boys from Sweden, we all went to see, um, we went to Stamford Bridge, which was fun. Um, I didn't like the new Tottenham Stadium at all. It was,
0: oh really? It was, yeah, there's a ch- there's a, there was a whole thing over here, I don't know whether yeah. you heard about it, but that they built a massive cheese room. And, they, and every, everyone was kicking off about it's yeah. a football stadium. Why yeah. does it need a cheese room?
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's football in general. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like you kind of like.
0: Why was there a cheese room? Yeah. Because they're, you know, moving yeah. up in the world, I guess. It's top now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta have a cheese room. Uh, excuse me in advance to both you, Marcus, and listeners, because I've got a cold and I'm chesty. My child <laughs> yeah. has made me ill, as they do.
1: Nice, as they do. Yeah, mine. Yeah.
0: So, how long are you over here for?
1: I'm for a the week, basically, okay. Yes, just a bunch of dinners and a bunch of stuff. so it was exciting.
0: And what's it like when you when you come over and check in on your baby over here and?
1: Well, it, it's I, I think it's good. I mean, like I want to know. I, uh, we build on stuff and we, you know, like where are we and how do you build forward, like season and all that stuff. So it's good. It's good. Good.
0: How I often are you are you back and forth?
1: I'm here quite every quarter. I come back for a week. Okay, and I, but I enjoy it. I love. I love London, you know, like, I grew up in Sweden, so London is always a city yeah. you come to.
0: And how did, it, how did it all come about, like, opening in London, opening in Shoreditch specifically? It's uh...
1: I think, I mean, we, we were always asked to open other locations, and I was asked to open London for a long time, and I was like, it has to be right for me, you know. So I thought, like, East London, I really like it. You know when I came with my parents and I came you know in your 20s it was always in West London and they do something in East was like oh that's interesting there's a little bit of not knowing which I kind of like like I yeah. did not know East that much um, but I, I I liked the whole graffiti scene and I like the storytelling I liked the way Mark had built his restaurants were very similar to how well. we built our restaurants
0: also because Red Rooster when you opened in Harlem mm-hmm. seemed it was quite specific to mm-hmm. Harlem you know and and to open a restaurant there when you did um, and obviously there's been a lot of pe- people opening restaurants recently but to then bring that concept and take to London yeah um, we, we don't that sort of food yeah, hasn't been
1: here previously. no but I I think that I, for me it was also about learning learning something like you know when you open a restaurant you give so much of yourself like you're away from your family you, you work night and day and and, and can you connect with an audience, right? Like this, you don't know, but you don't know. Like you guys like cricket, American likes baseball, (laughs) you know, it's like stick and ball, but it's very different, right? So I, I I just, I like that unknown, but I also wanted to see how, how would Roosters be shaped differently? Because the South in America is very given, like that's a Southern inspired restaurant is always with the migration in mind and the history of africa and african-american culture the south in in europe means italy and spain you know what i mean it's just a very different narrative in the background and i kind of like that curiosity in america i'm very specific we're going to have red roosters in and uh, african-american communities like in in um overtown in Miami when Detroit will be where well, we'll do it eventually but I'll, I'm slow it takes me a long time it takes me a very very long time why is that? I like being slow and brewing because it's like I learn about the team and I learn about the city and not just what's up here on on above What what's actually like I have a process that is pretty it's just my process is, is slow you know I you know I might have to Specifically for Red Rooster, like, I had to watch, like, Top Dog and stuff like that, right? It has nothing to do with the restaurant. No. And I looked at shorter specifically in terms of thinking about the Jewish influence and the Bangladeshi influences. And I you know, just go on, a, on, you know, and then, you know, I listen to Massive Attack and I was mm-hmm. like, no, I just go I have a very specific way of culture... You know, I want to understand culture, and then how, and you know, just just the way I go about it.
0: I've uh, never, uh, you know, you hear of people like, you know, standing in the street and counting passers-by and footfall and doing that kind of level of street no. research. The mm-hmm. idea of like, re- I've never heard of anyone immersing themselves that deeply. in
1: No, everybody's different process. You know, I'm never worried about if people going to come and stuff like that because I think if you build it, you do it right, yeah, they're going to come. Uh, so I, location for me is, it's almost secondary. Um, is can we connect? Can we? Can you scratch the surface? Can you evoke an interest? And then once you evoke the interest, is it delicious enough so people come back? Do you crave the stuff? And that's the craveability. It's very, it's very difficult to, because craveability very often come from do you understand culture, right? Like, you know, I've been an immigrant so many times, so. The thing, the beauty about being an immigrant, you're always lost in translation a little bit. Right. <laughs> so you quite don't know what's going on. Yeah. And there's something really beautiful about that. But then also you don't, you're not in on the joke sometimes, right? right. So culturally you're a little bit off. Like, yeah. you know, I still eat sushi during Thanksgiving. You know, I've been there for 20 years. I should oh. know that's turkey. But do you know what I mean? You just, yeah. but it also allows you to create your own thing, you know? And you, you can pay an homage to the place in, a, in your way, you know what I mean?
0: And What were the main challenges of getting getting that open brexit <laughs> when, so when did you open
1: It, right, we it was planned around then. for five years, and I happened to yeah. have the fortune to open just when this started to go back and forth right you know that, that must, was probably
0: the biggest that must have been fun
1: yeah, I can write a whole book about it, <laughs> No, because it does impact you know you know without getting too. It impacted us specifically in the service industry so much, right? Because, um, you know, obviously most of our labor, uh, they love London, they love England. That's why they're here, but they also come from different places. And for them not to know how long and when and what, you just, why why bother? So a lot of people leave uh, something they don't want to do. They want to come to London and it just makes it harder for our industry where we're already short of staff, so that was very hard to plan. It's very, very hard to plan. And I know it's like a, it's such a luxury problem. So I shouldn't even complain. But but it is a deep tissue problem for our industry. You know.
0: Is it is it similarly challenging uh, back in the states staffing?
1: Um, other challenges, but not that. Right. You know, other challenges, but not that. You know, I think there's so many similarities between London and New York in terms of its diversity and in terms of. No way. Well, you know, I'm, I've am i always been drawn to urbanism, like, you know, cities, urbanism is something that I've always been drawn to. And uh, there's so much beauty in the diversity that, you know, just driving through from east to here, right? You see all the different shops, you see all the different. For me, when I look at a storefront, I look at dreams, like, look at this, what you guys set up it's about a dream and a vision that you guys there's so many stuff out there but you wouldn't get up in the morning and do this unless you thought you would cut through and clear you did right so so storefronts for me whatever it is it's really about dreams somewhere between a dream and hard labor and that that's the beauty of urbanism whether whether that's a like or whether that's a curry shop or whether that is a... Whatever that is. I mean, that's why I was always drawn to the big city and the, what comes out of that, like, you know.
0: So you don't have a dream to open your own sort of favicon out in the wilds of Sweden or upstate New York or something?
1: I would love... You know, Sweden is... You know, it's, it's it's all about nature. So when I'm in Sweden, it's, I just see my little boy run around in this very hail and <laughs> cold in August type of it's like being in Scotland yeah, yeah and if you don't appreciate that the wind's gonna hit you wherever you go yeah. don't come yeah, yeah, <laughs> but definitely. it is something incredible beautiful about it you know and I I just love uh, that my son my wife and I can give our son like three four different windows like to Africa and run around you know there or Sweden when it's just different environments you know what I mean that's the that's the biggest gift we can give.
0: And how did you sort of go back to the beginning? You know, what's your your origin story in cooking? Because I, I mean, I remember when I was. Younger, watching you on Food TV and mm-hmm. in, in the States, the, the yeah. Iron Chef, and and obviously mm-hmm. know, so you cooked Aquavit, which mm-hmm. now there's one here, isn't there? Mm-hmm. That? Yeah. Um, and then you know you're on TV and with Bourdain and mm-hmm. that, but how did you come to cooking in the first place?
1: It's my grandmother, you know. My grandmother from Sweden, uh, Helga. She was a domestic. You know, she was retired by the time we came to Sweden. You know, me and my sister were, were adopted. We weren't, you know, grew up in Sweden, born in Ethiopia, but my grandmother Helga. And she was just like no nonsense lady, like she made everything. She there was nothing modern about my grandmother, right? Like everything. And I uh, and uh you know, sometimes that was great and sometimes not so much when you want a real pair of Levi's jeans. You don't, you didn't want her version of Levi's yeah. jeans. But the good thing is she cannot make sneakers. So you can get your own sneakers. But everything else she made, you know. She like, going to the store with her was just to watch and see how it was done. And then, all right, we're not getting anything. Come with me. And then you go home and like, you have to make that shit.
0: Oh, whatever
1: God. it was.
0: Clothing, everything.
1: Um, toys. Yeah. Like, um... Yeah, whatever. I have a beautiful Roger. monkey, a homemade uh, monkey made by my grandmother. And I wanted the monkey in the store, but I got the homemade you know, monkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was, so, so food-wise, So that was, you realize as a kid, like her meatballs just are a little bit different than the one you get at the school cafeteria. They're, you know, they're rustic and they're bigger and they're, sometimes there's, you know, more breadcrumbs or less breadcrumbs <laughs> depending on, but it was it was really there was always a smell you could do something always in the oven there was a stock in the back there was like specific things that you noticed in her house
0: right and you were from a young age you were just like this is what i want to do or you wanted to I, I don't
1: i i don't know if it was what i wanted to do i also think like my my grandmother come from a time like she you know they started to work when they were nine ten and and so you know, child labor to her was me and my sisters, you know, in a way like if you're in a home That's what I mean. There's no nonsense like Come to my grandmother's house. Come up the stairs My grandfather's to the left listen to the radio and then my grandmother's in the kitchen You don't have to ask she's in the kitchen or in the garden right. and so immediately if you're there you you're working like you either go out picking up plums picking apples Pulling out carrots preserving something there's mushroom to be cleaned like, there's, like, that's good morning. Good, you know, if you're there, that's what you're doing. It's just like, and on my father's side, I grew up in a fishing village during the summers. It's the same thing there. Like, if you're with his brothers and sisters and uncles, it's around fishing culture. So, I mean, from the moment you're up, you're cleaning a net, you're cleaning the boat, you're butchering fish. So, I grew up in a very, very, very blue collar uh, with food environment. So, you don't know when you're 10 or 11 that you're working. You don't think, you're just with the family, right? And the only other thing we did was playing soccer or uh, football. Right? So, those are the two, you know. So, if you got all your work done before noon, you're eight, and then you were out, then you could run around and play soccer all day, whatever you want to do. So, you know, you don't even look at it as... as um now we're going to do this, you know, it's just, if you're going to engage with the fam, that's what you did. Yeah. And you had fun, we had lots of fun. Friends come over and you you, you clean lingonberries and you preserve them and, you know what I mean? You, that's what you did. And we were not the only household doing that. That's like, we lived on the countryside um, and it was like maybe half an hour into the city, but in Sweden it's pretty, like, there's woods, there's water right outside, right? and then in Town day school was out we lived in a fishing village and these are your job mackerel herring those are your jobs you know
0: yeah and then you moved to new york no what? no
1: Mm-mm. i moved to japan first went to japan to cook first and it was beautiful and then switzerland and france and then new york
0: so you fit in a lot because you were 24 weren't you when you became executive yeah chef i left pretty early i left when i was
1: 18 and um you know, I went for my six, seven months, eight months stints, a year stint, and then...
0: Do you look back on, on you know, being so, such a young executive chef and feel like you were ready for it then, or was it, in hindsight, did you feel like, you know, it's... We were at a restaurant last night, and the, the Dorchester Grill, the head chef, is 24. And it's, yeah, just it's, in his first he, week. He looks like he's, you know, should wow. be doing his GCSEs next week. Um, it's just incredible to see, you know, someone that young and that... Um,
1: Well, he's he's gonna be busy.
0: Yeah, but how did you find that? Uh,
1: Every chef, whatever, has a different journey, right? I think uh, one of the beauties of uh, being a young black chef is that your options are very clear. So the options was to be, you know, quite frankly, um, be very good. very, very good. Otherwise, you don't got the scholarships. So it gives right. you a clear focus. And when you got there, there, when nobody, absolutely nobody, looks like you or speaks your language, then it's really clearer. So you're always uh, an obstacle. But you, you know what we have in common is the love for food. So once that awkwardness is out of the way, it just becomes about the food. Then you fit fit in. You know and that's the beauty about a culture like food or football or whatever music first it could be awkward two people could look very different like but to have that thing whatever that thing is is what connects them and for me it was always food um so I was never really worried once I was in it was just how do we get there and um you know I think that's what I'm saying like um it was just very clear like what you have to do my Swedish friends that I came up with they went to Stockholm, and if they didn't like it, they went to another restaurant in Stockholm. Those were never my options, right? Never. So I was like, all right, it's just easier to win this, get this, <laughs> go get it. But also learning a lot, and I was really, you know, eating in South, where you're in Asia, for example, you realized, wow, these flavors are so different. How come I cannot read about them? Right? This is pre-internet, you know what I mean? So it's like there was no access to a real Thai or lemongrass or kefir lime leaf or miso or things that we take for granted today. Mm. Like real shit. Like real stuff. And I was like, I have this enormous amount of information about Swedish version of French food or even British version of French food. That's great, but not that interesting to me, actually. And then having a whole other palate over here that you couldn't really tap into Uh, That was fascinating to me. And I said, I have to immerse myself more than this. And it was quite difficult to understand how come the food world is not acknowledging this. But it did, but maybe it just was it was a little bit ahead of its time maybe it was enough outlets you know what I mean
0: and also what you're saying about you know the Swedish version of French food Mm -hmm. or the British food and for a long time it felt like that's all there was was basically like a a Frenchified sort of world French version of of Thai food or Japanese food or um, whereas now obviously you can get a lot closer to mm-hmm. the real deal or, or like yeah and you know i think authentic authenticity is obviously a tricky word in a lot of ways but to be able to get food that's not filtered through that french mm-hmm. lens you know sort of fine dining french thing it's no, we, very different. you
1: know like music turn much quicker right or other mediums great is great is great like you know like no one um but art we're still a band like we're almost still we're still a classical Ensemble, where even if it's less French, it's still seventy percent French in our techniques, in our pots, pans, in our language, and that's all right. And it's just gonna, it's just gonna turn more and more and more. And but it's always about understanding delicious, and delicious is you need support for that, right? Um, you need to, if you haven't had oysters for ever, that texture is weird. If you never had okra, that texture is weird. So much about uh, food is about understanding context, right? So where where French context is now explained, Italian is now explained very well, you know, Japanese has now become very well understood. Um, and then maybe, you know, Sp- Spain, of course, you know, after Ferran and everything that happened with that. And now maybe the latest one is, is, is Peru and Portugal, which is a little salt, you're ceviche, really all of that stuff that come from, from Peru. But it needs context, right? And without that support, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. <laughs>
0: Or was it like cooking the first um what's the word you know the first sort of state banquet for president obama that's a pretty extraordinary thing to have done
1: well i remember calling my mom she's like please this is what my mom said don't she said poison him <laughs> no don't know but we just literally you know my mom very well she's like um you know i didn't want to call her because she would um you know, just freaked me out. So I was like I called her when I was at the White House. I called her, so I said, Listen, I'm at the White House, I'm gonna just letting you know I'm doing this dinner. She said, You know, her father passed away a long time ago, very long time ago she's like, You know, your name is Samuelson and your your father would not be happy If you mess up (laughs) So Maybe it's better You leave now Before the (laughs) dinner I said You know what This is why I didn't call you before But I appreciate That you're consistent At least So that was the only Was she pulling your leg Or did she be No 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 no. There's no There's no I wish she could be sarcastic (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a hell of a pep talk Yeah, yeah, exactly Thanks, yeah, but at, least she, at least she consistent, you know yeah. what I mean And then I called her on the way when we left uh we called her on the way back home She was so nervous, sweet
0: What did you uh, What did you cook?
1: We did mostly vegetarian We was, was focused on vegetarian food Because it was right, the, um, Prime Minister Singh from India He was vegetarian right. And it was just when Michelle Obama started her garden initiative Oh, uh, yeah so, on. so it was great. It's was, it was dinner and it was fun, and it's fun for the team. And um, the um, they were just very giving with their time. You know, after you're know, a dinner like that, the president hi to all the guests he stands there on the line and shakes four hundred people, you know, whatever it is. And then after that, he comes back in the kitchen and shakes, you know, finds the place, find the crew and literally when I say find a place because it's about security, we're running around <laughs> finding a place with my crew for him to to be able to say thank you and talk to the crew. So I like, I remember those type of things yeah. more because it's like, you know, it's like 11.30, he's beat and he still, you know, talks to my whole crew. So well, it's just very nice.
0: What, what would you say if you got the call up from the uh, current president <laughs> to uh, go and cook some burgers?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, well done the good thing I don't have to worry about that because that call ain't coming so that's good mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I don't know but you know it's a uh, I, I really know it's it's Um. the good thing is there will change a change's going to come yes yeah
0: the fix the two term thing yeah. is uh, at least some sort of comfort unless he goes for the Frank Underwood move and tries to abolish it but uh, wouldn't put it past him <laughs> and, Um <clears throat> Um, so we do we do a couple of quizzes yeah. on the podcast if cool. that's all right yeah uh, so it's in two parts so the first half is overrated underrated or correctly rated yeah so I'm going to throw some stuff at you yeah at you. good you know, throw what it. you think uh, overrated underrated or correctly rated cranberry juice
1: um, I would say um, I don't even know if it's overrated I guess overrated. <laughs>
0: Yeah. On, are you a fan of cranberries?
1: I, I like the li- real deal. Uh, Lingonberries is the first cranberries.
0: Yeah, so, yes, <laughs> so you rather ling- be going for the lingonberry, than yeah. the cranberry. Uh, okay, uh, Twinkies, overrated, underrated, or correctly? Rated. I've never
1: had one. I don't know what it is. Oh really? Yeah, I don't. Because
0: I, I saw them. They've started selling them in. Because in my head, they're always they're always in like movies when I was a kid and yeah. American kids eating these Twinkies. Now you can get them in supermarkets here. So really? yeah. Yeah. didn't they always say they'd survive a, of, you can a Holocaust? But that's years. exactly
1: what I mean when, when you come to place adult, like you miss you miss the sort of like the the kid T V stuff. You miss yeah. like candy. Like that type of stuff that everyone can just say what yeah. it is, right? It's just like you're a little bit lost, you yeah. know what yeah. I mean?
0: So I'm going to throw this one at you. literally after you just said that overrated, underrated, correctly rated Star Wars.
1: Um, I would say overrated. I'm not. That's not the the the. Uh, it's not even sci-fi, but like I was an ET fan, and that's where it stopped for right. me.
0: Really. That's a better film. I mean, yeah. ET, E.T. still holds yeah. up.
1: Yeah,
0: um, swimming. Overrated, underrated, or correctly rated?
1: I love swimming. I'm such a bad swimmer, but I okay. love it. I love it. And like I go, you go swimming in the cold Swedish waters. And if you if you don't like it, that's you're like you're, you're tested in August and it's freezing. Yeah, you gotta love it. You know?
0: Yeah, I it's that cold water
1: thing. Oh my god! So where we you would appreciate this so where way that on that fishing village, the the old crew, my aunties and uncles, they. Dip every day in the air, even if it's ice. And one, really? yeah, yeah they go in. And they're like, they live to the ninety, and you know, they yeah. drink, they do all this stuff. You're, you're like, they don't do yoga, they don't yeah. go to the gym. Icy water. Put that salt water down. Yeah. I mean in. it's supposed to be absolutely amazing yeah. for you, but it's just, ah. and it's it's kind of like you complain, and you have your friends with or whatever, and you complain. And it's like August twentieth or whatever. You and then like I'm like, you see these people, like look, at my neighbors, like. November like it's just like walking and they're dipping in and they're in there for a good 10 minutes and then yeah. they're like mm-hmm. and everybody's worried about health they eat whatever they want to eat yeah, uh, drink whatever they want to drink it's just healthy people you know
0: right. yeah. do, do
1: you fish? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but you don't fish like that that's right. a tourist fish no 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 it's no. <laughs> real fish like, yeah. You like you, it's it's, either, it's netting right it's a big part part of it and you pull it up and it's like um, the boats are not that big but it's a good it's a good um, three hour you go out for 45 minute an hour then you're out maybe for an hour and, I, uh, and it's freezing cold freezing cold You got up early and then it's an hour back and fix the boat so it's a good three hour gig right so like going on a good golf round or something like yeah. that but it's 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 not just the fishing sometimes you don't get a lot but it's like it's bonding you yeah, know what I mean you, you there's nothing if you have an argument if you're trying to go through something it can all be dealt with out there yeah yeah it's cool
0: yeah nice. see that's proper fishing you were doing yeah. that's Dave Chang yeah, you know, I'm fishing like, no no you don't Dave Chang no, that's, does that's the fly fishing, fishing yeah. just,
1: no, don't. I I don't even I wouldn't even know how to do that like, like that's like my, my uncles that are like in their 70s now they, they've been fishing all their life they would not know right. how to do that different strokes
0: yeah yeah uh, it is absolutely. Dave Chang loves his fishing he so does Uh, Okay, the other half of the quiz is quick fire. So it's the first answer that comes in your head, but then you're welcome to expand. You're on a desert island, and you're only allowed one vinegar. Which vinegar do you take? Great question,
1: sir. Thanks, James. Sweden, we we have this vinegar called Etika. It's a a proper vinegar with higher alcohol content. And... um, it just preserves it. It's not there to for super delicious taste, right. but you, you you put whatever you want to preserve in there. It's good.
0: So it's your pre- yeah, That's very practical yeah. if yeah. you're on the island, so you can preserve yeah. as a no, no. We're good
1: for a uh, You're not well. making a
0: delicate vinegar. No, on the we're not doing
1: rice wine vinegar here. <laughs> no, we're not no. going for that.
0: Definitely totally, no. uh James, one vinegar for you. Which would you?
1: Uh,
0: P- cider vinegar. Yeah? With
1: this mother. You go. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like it's, nice. it's
0: good sweetness. Yeah.
1: To it. Fancy you, posh. Yeah.
0: yeah posh. Yeah. You'd probably go, uh, kang, <laughs> wouldn't you? Nah, it's too strong. Uh, I'd probably go... Yeah, cider, actually. Yeah. Yeah, use that more and more instead of white or red wine. Yeah. probably. Uh, what's the scariest film you've ever seen? I... I
1: have no idea. Uh... I'm not... I... I
0: have no idea. Not not uh, a fan of the scary movie.
1: I you know I just like what I like. I'm like, I guess the Warriors when I was a kid. I still did not know yeah. what happened. You know, shit <laughs> like stuff like that like made me move to America. That's exciting to me. Yeah, what, yeah, what totally. is that about? You know what I mean? That's a great stuff movie.
0: Like that. Yeah. What's the what's a really popular dish that loads of people think oh, that's delicious? That you're like I just don't get that at all. That's a tough question. That's uh, a hard right. quick fire Yeah, it's a hard quick fire so You can you to yeah, stick. Um, hmm Like we were talking the other day uh, to um Stevie Paul, the guy yeah. who is Pastilla, pasta yeah. place. And um and I was saying like e pepe like I yeah. just I just yeah, ketchup, but, yeah,
1: Yeah. But I I would probably say that paella is very very popular, right? But to do it proper and right, it's not an easy dish to do right because sure. there's so many components that got to cook, and they almost—it's impossible to get them right. In a way, because they cook together, stuff that normally doesn't cook together. So yeah. I think that's a very difficult dish to do right. And and there's notes in there; they're not just super easy to understand. Like if you top it off with saffron or something like that, so it's not an easy dish to do right. You know, a lot of things can go wrong. Without say, yeah. Oh, I, I I mean a good like I like a good fried rice. I like it because you can control the rice in a different way. Yeah, you know, and you get this here, but yeah, it's very difficult to get it right.
0: Uh, and the final question, which yeah. is, you know, this is a huge part of the yeah. kitchens on fire podcast. Which I did warn uh, you that I'd probably ask you: Have you ever seen a ghost?
1: I think, yes, I yes. mean, here's the thing, right? I'm the believer, he is yeah. not, so. that's just No, but I th- I think for me it has to do with uh, when you open a restaurant, so much about that is that you have to believe in a higher, you have to believe in something that is not normal, right? So you have to dream, you have the capability to imagine, and that's for me what it's about, Right. So a lot of stuff goes under that because if you don't imagine, if you're not re- willing to build something that is really big, and and some places you know this, some restaurant places are haunted. You know, you know a place where like four restaurants goes in and in like eighteen months. Yeah, it's right. haunted. You should not. Yeah. <laughs> that fourth guy should not. It's not gonna happen. And he could be on a great street, yeah. like. Uh, uh, but you know, so yeah, I would yeah. say yes. Haunted restaurants, lots yeah. of them. Yes and it makes no sense right like it's like it is strange that yeah
0: these, these sort of doomed sites that mm-hmm. you just think even like like you say it could be on a great street or a beautiful site yeah. itself, but just like that.
1: Nah. Mm. yeah there and people know. it's also funny because people when they come from that place they like, oh but that's on the that's on the west side you, you know that's not going to work I'm like I wish you told me <laughs> you know what I mean
0: <laughs> yeah uh, you've got dinner to cook tonight I believe yeah so yeah. We'll, we'll let you with get with Andy is going to be funny. yeah yeah um I hope it goes well sorry we can't make we it can't a lot of fun it, but, uh, it'll
1: be a lot of fun thank uh, you for thank having you me thank
0: you for your time thank yeah, you very much pleasure cheers. to meet you thank you so much very nice
1: thank you guys cheers goodbye <laughs> bye